Good morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Kor Shemaleski, and really that is my name according to my youngest son Isaac. That's, that's what he says. What's daddy's name? Pastor Kor Shemaleski spits out. So, um, I want to welcome you to Hope. Uh, if you ever want to get a cup of coffee, I would love to take you out for a cup of coffee. Get to know you, hear your story. Uh, it's what I do. It's an incredible, incredible job that I have. It's a great grace to hear all your stories and hear what God's done in your lives. And um, I get to work and then I go for a coffee break right away with, with all of you. So it's a good, it's a good gig. Um, so my wife and I, we've been in, in the process of redoing and demoing and rebuilding and reconstructing our front porch. Uh, we demoed it last summer and removed a ton of concrete. Actually, it's probably about three tons of concrete, four tons of concrete. We have uh, taken it down to nothing. We found out in doing that that one of the posts that held up our porch, the wood was actually sliced and was giving no support, and all that was holding up one corner of our porch was the stucco around that post. Um, so that was a little disheartening, um, and we, we realized why so much of the porch had shifted. Um, not a lot of support there. And so we, we did a lot of that. We, we started reconstructing last summer. We got new posts in there. We got a new slab poured underneath it. We built up the porch, kind of a deck-type frame. And, and so this year... This summer has been all about the, the beautification of this porch, the, the uh, building out of the, the posts, making, adding some stonework to them, uh, painting. We, we did that a couple weekends ago, and might as well just paint the whole house, too. So we're in the middle of this porch project, and somehow we're going to add in the whole painting of the house. We kind of pull out a roller, and we got stucco, and the stucco is too bumpy, so we can't roll it. Brushing it will take forever, so I get a sprayer. And I had never used a sprayer, but these things are awesome. I mean, this, this is incredible. If you have ever, like, not used one, you got to use one the next time, because it is fast. It is good, and it's, and it's fun. Like, you can just spray, like, a whole side of your house and be like, look at what I've accomplished. Look at me. <laughs> Wow, have I done a lot today. And so we did that. We took one day and we, with the help of Ben Johnson and uh, Sean Lesh, kind of painted most of the bulk of the house. And the next day, my dad came down and um, we did kind of the eaves, the overhangs, the fascia boards. And um, that's a little, uh, yeah, that can shake the nerves. When you're on top of like a 30, 35-foot ladder, and you're actually pushing away from the house in order to reach that fascia board, which is somewhere behind you, about a foot or two feet behind your head. That'll shake the nerves a little bit. So we're doing that. We start in the back of the house, and we kind of work our way to the side. And then we're getting around to the front. And it's a nice day. It's a good day for painting. The one downer was, it's a little bit windy. Wasn't a problem, as, I, as far as I could tell, until we got around to the front of our porch, and I'm doing my little bit, and I'm spraying, and my dad's telling me where I've missed, and we're doing this thing, and I mean, it is, it's not even like noon, and we're already kind of halfway around the house. This is great. This is flying by. We're going to be done quick. So I'm, I'm doing this, and then I catch out of the corner of my eye as I'm on top of the ladder, my neighbor's motorcycle. And 
what I found out, um, what I quickly realized is that a, spr- a paint sprayer and a semi-windy day do not go together at all. So I kind of had one of those, like, on top of the ladder, kind of had one of those, like, panic, like, moments, like, woo! Like, <laughs> like in the movies, like, my eyes would have kind of, like, jumped out of my head and just, like, I don't know, back to the, I think of the guy in Back to the Future, the, the guy with the white hair, just, like, woo! You know, so... I come down the ladder, I fly off the ladder, and I go up to the bike, and I'm down on it looking at this bike, and it is speckled. The whole thing is just speckled with white paint that should be on my eaves and overhangs. (laughs) Friends, I will uh, tell you that in that moment, um, in God's giving of this trial... And taking away of just a clean bike, he took that away from me and replaced it with a speckled bike. I don't know if the words that I chose in that moment were blessed be the name of the Lord like we just sang. Uh, I found a couple other words from the recesses of my mind that I, I thought I didn't know anymore. But I know them still, and, uh, and I shared them, and, and, and my wife can attest, don't have a foul mouth, don't have a potty mouth. I did at one time in seventh grade when all of a sudden it was cool to do that. I started it up, but then kind of God got a hold of my life, and he worked that area out. And so, yeah, it's been a grace that I've experienced, but whoa, on this, in this moment, on this day, things out of character, not cut quite in keeping with my faith in Christ, just came flying out of my mouth. And uh, praise God, the boys were in the house. This was, this was not a part of their discipleship process, their growth. So they were in the house. But it's just out of character, and it, it's, it just... Uh, you know, after the fact, needing to apologize to God because that is not, um, that speckled motorcycle is not what I'm about. I want to be about Christ. That thing is temporary. It's just stuff. And it's interesting because that's what the neighbor ended up saying. <laughs> that, to my knowledge, isn't a believer, but he said, it's just stuff. And, and here I could just, you know, let these things come out of my mouth. Just seemingly out of character, sinful things. Um, we are uh, nearing the end of a set of sermons on the book of John. Uh, we are in John chapter 18. John is a guy who was a follower of Christ, and he took time to write about Jesus' life, about Jesus' ministry, his miracles, his teachings. Ultimately, at the end of the book, where we're getting to, we're going to talk about his arrest, trials, death, burial, resurrection. But the third part that we're in is called Suffering and Glory, Jesus Christ's Procession to the Cross. Um, Last week, I talked to you about Jesus making it clear that he is a king. He wanted to make it clear to Caiaphas, who is the religious high priest, the leader in the religious court. He wanted to make it clear to Pilate, who is the governor, who is in the political court. He wanted to make it clear to them and to whoever else was listening that he is a king. He is a spiritual king. He has a kingdom that is more real than the visible people in this church building, it's more real, it's more important, it's more critical that you understand that, that he is a spiritual king. 
of a spiritual kingdom. So at the, that was last week as Jesus was being interrogated by these different courts. Okay, so now if it was kind of a if it was kind of a movie, the, the, the camera would kind of pan outside of the court into a courtyard, and there is a disciple, Peter, who has stuck by Jesus' side. He's followed Jesus to this, through this. After Jesus' arrest, many of the disciples fled. Well, Peter continued on following Christ, trying to figure out what is going to happen to Jesus. And so he follows him to the house of Caiaphas, the high priest. And you got to know about Peter. Um, he is reckless, he's brazen, but he is a diehard follower of Jesus Christ. Amongst the disciples, he is, in my opinion, the leader of the disciples. He is the man. Uh, I want to take you, I want to take you through the life of Peter if I can. Um, Starting way back in Luke 5, we're going to kind of use a couple different gospel accounts, but starting with Luke 5, it reads this way. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we told all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From, my, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed them, followed him. Imagine, get, your, get yourself in that mindset, okay? Peter is a fisherman. That's the family business. And here Jesus Christ says, I know you've been doing all night, cast your nets. And Peter's faithfulness, Peter's belief in Jesus, and he does it. Not only that, this leads to a point, an expression, I'm a sinful man. Not only that, he leaves everything and follows Christ. Think for a moment, just think for a moment, right here, right now, of your home, wherever you're living right now. Think of that place. Now imagine never going back there. As you walk out these doors today, you cannot go back there. You don't go back there. You have no car. Forget the credit cards. You've just walked away from your profession, your source of income. Imagine, what would you do? Where would you go? I mean, so much of our lives are built around that, and Peter just chucks it and follows, begins to follow Christ. He's a stud of a man. Okay, Matthew 14. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, that's Jesus, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. Peter walked on the water. And came to Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, 
Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Is he a stud? Heck yeah, he's the only disciple that got out of the boat. Jesus Christ has walked on water? So is Peter. It's incredible. Did he doubt? Yeah. Is he perfect? No. But man, what a stud. Getting out of the boat. So impressed. Matthew 16. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus saying, what are people talking about me? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, this is Peter. Oh, Jesus, I'm asking them again, sorry. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There it is. Jesus not only has Peter shown his leadership in different ways, Jesus has identified him and said, of these disciples of the early church, you are my man. Is it all about Peter? No, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. It's going to be my responsibility. I'm going to do it. But it's going to be through you. Peter was one of the three disciples allowed to be part of the transfiguration. John 13, we read this a couple weeks back. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Peter has an understanding. No, Jesus is big. He's awesome. He's holy. He can't take the role of servant. He need to be lifted up, honored. He didn't fully understand it. But his heart's in the right place. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Well, if that's the case, you know, let me take a bath. Not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Whatever it takes. Because I want to have a share in you. I want to be a part of you. I want to be with you. And then, just uh, I believe it was two weeks ago, John 18, uh, verses 10 and 11. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? As far as guys go, like that's kind of like one of the big things in a friend is like, you know, if somebody picks on me, you're gonna, you're gonna, you got my back, you know? And Peter's like, dude, Jesus, I got your back, you know? Drew his sword, cut off the guy's ear. Of the twelve, Peter is the leader. He's more vocal. He's aggressive. I love it. I appreciate, I appreciate him. And I want to pipe him up. I want you to see him as a stud, because he is. But he's not perfect. He has failings, and that's what we're going we're gonna to look at this week. Back in John 13, Peter, uh, Peter's denials of Christ have been predicted by Jesus. I actually went over it also, and I'm going to utilize Matthew and Luke's accounts of Peter's denials, because I think they had some great details in Matthew 26, verse 30, it says, When they had sung a hymn, the disciples and Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, 
you will all fall away because of me this night. You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. The religious leaders are going to strike Jesus and his disciples, his sheep, are going to be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, I mean, you can just see his leadership taking over here. Not me. Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Here is heart, here is passion, his desire to honor God. Skipping over to Luke 22. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. Kind of a Job account here, right? Satan going before God saying, give me Peter. Verse 32, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. Peter doesn't see it. Peter doesn't think it's going to happen. He is adamant in his discipleship of Christ. But we read in John 18, verses 15 through 18 and 25 to 27. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Um, that another disciple, we don't know who that is. Uh, commentators debate back and forth. Uh, many, many uh, kind of the common belief would say, that's John. That's the, that's the writer of this gospel. That's John the Apostle, one of the twelve. That's him. Um, others say, no, it's, it's, it's Nicodemus, somebody in a more uh, elite religious ruling class. It could be Judas Iscariot, who um, betrayed Jesus. could be um, James or Lazarus. We just don't know. Uh, what we do know is kind of what follows, the details that follow about this, this other disciple, essentially that he's got an access pass into the, into, the, into the courts where Jesus is being tried. It says, Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? Kind of like that question when there's like a song that comes on the radio, like, You don't, you don't like this song, do you? Like, maybe it's too, like, not, not in like a cool genre of music or whatever, but you, you're kind of expecting an answer like, No, no, no. I wouldn't listen to the light FM. That's not me. I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm the rock FM. Um, but she says it in a way that expects a no, and he says, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. It's at night, it's cold, um, springtime, and they want to get this done. They want to get Jesus' trials taken care of so that in the morning... At daybreak, boom, they can hand him over to Pilate. They can bring him before Pilate that morning. They want to get this taken care of as soon as possible, so they're meeting through the night. Verse 25, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? 
Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Like Natty mentioned earlier, I'm on one of the uh, men's Hope softball teams. Um, yeah, we come on out. We got games tonight. Come on, come on. No. Um, the majority of those guys have been on the team together for several years now. Uh, formed some pretty good tight friendships and relationships there. Uh, we enjoy each other. We enjoy having fun. Um, and I, I guess maybe an indication of this that we enjoy each other is we, we have a trophy that gets passed around uh, amongst the team. Um, it's not so much like a, a, a game ball or like most valuable player for that night. I mean, we, we take nominations at the end of the night. Um, well, I don't know how to explain this, but the title of the trophy is The Prancing Pony, and uh, it's, that's as best as, it's something like that. It's not exactly, I think ours plays music, and uh, is maybe even more feminine than that. And, uh, and I don't know how to explain it. We, we kind of hand it out to the guy who maybe <laughs> fell just a little bit short of our expectations of a softball player. Um, perhaps they did something or said something that Maybe it doesn't quite belong on a softball diamond. Maybe it doesn't quite fit into our expectation of kind of a, a man on a, on a softball field. And so um, we pass this thing around. I want to give you some examples. I'll just talk about the ones that I've, the reasons that I've received it. Um, why, why it is that I've received the prancing pony. I guess the first time, and this was, I think, shortly after the, the prize, uh, the trophy was started being... Um, thrown around. The guys on the team had commented about one of my diving catches. Okay? Now, when a guy makes a diving catch, you think, you would think that the guy would be applauded. You would think that, wouldn't you? If a guy makes a diving catch, thank you. Now, it is their accusation that the dive came much after the catch. <laughs> That's their theory, okay? And once that starts circulating a bunch of group of guys, it's tough to stop. And so I was awarded the prancing pony for my catch dive, all right? It's incredible manly dive catch. Okay, the other, the other time, and I got to admit, they got a point on this one. I'm out in left center field. We got a right center fielder by the name of Brad, and a ball is hit in the air, pretty well hit, and it's going to go in between us. So we're both chucking hard after this ball, okay? I think I got a beat on it. I think I can make this catch. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get there, Okay? I don't hear anything coming from him, so I say something in order to help him know I got it. I don't know what I said. I don't know if I said me or I got it or, or what I said. But I'm, so I'm, I'm tracking that ball thinking this is, this is my catch. I hear, or at least I think I hear, Brad call me off. 
I'm pretty sure I heard something. Because there's no other explanation for me to all of a sudden drop away from the ball and have it come and hit Brad in the gut. I mean, there's... I mean, there's really no other good explanation. So I'm, I'm confident that he must have said something to call me off. I, I heard something. And so as I got the ball and, you know, hurled it back into the infield, and as he's kind of writhing on the ground in pain. No, he, he made it really clear that, that he said nothing, that he didn't call me off. So inexplicably, I received the prancing pony for that one, too. So I don't know why that was it. But all this to say that Peter is a stud of a man. Okay, He is man-man, man-disciple, loves God, passionate, raw, oozing at the surface, uh, just head over heels in love with Jesus Christ, passionate for him. And I believe that when he said those words, I will lay down my life for you, prison and death. I think he meant it. That that was his desire. Heart of hearts, that was his desire. He was that kind of guy. But then when a servant girl, a servant girl, most of the servants at this time were all men. So this is a rare element, that this is a, a servant girl. She asks him, are you a follower of Christ? And he says, I am not. I, I, I need this morning to put Peter up for the Prancing Pony Award. I mean, there's something in that. I, I see him after all this takes place and he finds the other disciples and he talks through the events and they're questioning, what went on? What happened there? And he tells them, Jesus, he, Jesus went before Annas and then he was before Caiaphas and, and the trial was taking place and he, they were questioning him and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Who are you? What are you doing? And then, later on, he's going to go before Pilate. I have to explain, I... I am the king of the Jews. I have a spiritual kingdom. And he's going to go through all that. And the disciples are going to say, what about you? What happened? What happened in that courtyard? And here's Peter, leader of that group of disciples, standing out amongst them in so many different ways. And he's going to have to tell them, a servant girl asked me if I was a follower of Christ. And I said, no. I lied. I was trying to read up and better understand this whole thing. And from what I can understand, this girl wouldn't have had any authority, any power to really do anything. And so I, I put up Peter. I mean, this is so out of character that he would deny Christ in this way. I had to put him up for the Prancing Pony Award uh, this morning for you. Everybody who was anybody, was in that courtroom dealing with Christ. The people down in the courtyard with Peter were servants, some officers. Um, but still he denies his relationship with Jesus. Towards the end of this, these accounts here and these following sermons, Peter's going to learn two great truths that I want you to hear this morning. I want you to feel them. I want you to soak them in. The first one is that Peter has within himself the ability, the capacity to be completely faithless. Lying. Deceiving others. Saying, I don't know that guy. 
I'm not associated with him. I'm not the one who cut off that guy's ear. It's not me. Completely faithless. And if you're to read the whole account through, and earlier in John 18, Jesus twice has said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. During his arrest, they question him. They ask him, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He says, I am. And here, Peter twice saying, I am not that guy's follower. I am not a disciple of his. Just they stand in stark contrast. Jesus is before this, this court and these, these chief priests and these higher-ups. He isn't denying anything. All the claims they're bringing upon him. He's not saying anything to refute that. And here's Peter, just the opposite, denying everything. I don't know him. I'm not his follower. Peter had faith to get out of the boat, but not the faith to remain on top of the water. He made a fearless claim to stand by Jesus in prison and even in death and not, did not have the courage to follow it through. Somehow, some way, un, I just I cannot understand it. Somehow he had the guts to get into that courtyard, to follow Jesus all from the arrest all the way over to the high priest's house. Stand in that courtyard and then say, I don't know him. They just don't line up. It's just so out of character. That's Peter. Um, I hope that I can persuade you that that's you. That's me. I am Peter. I can in one moment be on a ladder thanking God that he has given me the grace in painting this house and doing the different things and, and honoring my wife. That, that stuff honors you, right? That's good? So, honoring my wife. And then the next moment I can be off the ladder, profanity coming out of my mouth. In a matter of seconds. How can that happen? I have the ability, I have the capacity to be completely faithless. I am your pastor, and I'm telling you, I have the ability, I have the capacity within me, a nature that can totally be given to sin at a moment's notice, in the blink of an eye. I hope I can persuade you that that can happen to you too. Go like this for yes, this for no. Okay? That's us. I can be disloyal, faithless, weak, disobedient, doubtful, and a coward. And it's a graceful thing this morning that I know that, that I hear that. It's a graceful thing when I call you a coward, faithless, prone to sin. That's a graceful thing for you to hear. Why? Why is that? Why is that a graceful thing? Why is that a graceful thing? Here Peter is. He's been acknowledged as the one upon whom Christ is going to build his church. Why is it a graceful thing for a guy like that, a guy like me, Hope Community Church, why is it a graceful thing for us to hear that we are prone, that we are inclined to dishonor God? Soon after that, 
Soon after you realize that, you begin to understand how great God is. How at all times, in all ways, to all people, He is completely faithful. That is the second great truth this morning. Truth number one is that Peter realizes how utterly faithless he can be. Truth number two is that Peter will learn how completely faithful God is. Faithfulness is described this way in the the dictionary. Consistently trustworthy and loyal. Is that not Christ? Is that not the picture of Christ? Loyal to the cause that God had set before him. Repeatedly, the Bible declares that God is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He is firm and unwavering in his commitment to love and to show himself faithful. I want to give you some verses. Philippians 1, verse 6. Paul's writing, he says, I'm sure of this, that God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? I'm gonna, we're going to have a marriage ceremony this afternoon. And this passage is primarily about Christ and his faithfulness to the church. More than even about husbands and wives. Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify you guys. That he might cleanse you by the washing of water with the word so that the church might, that God might present the church to himself in splendor. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that the church might be holy and without blemish. God is committed to the church. He's committed to his followers. He is faithful. 2 Timothy 2 captures this. This saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, this morning, if you've died with Christ, if you've become a follower of Christ, listen to these things. If you've died with him, you will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Romans 3, verses 3 and 4. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness, does Peter's faith, faithlessness, does you, my faithlessness, your faithlessness, nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. No way. John Newton was a uh, master on a, on a ship. It was a slave ship. And uh, he became a follower of Christ, Anglican minister, and he writes these words. I am a great sinner. And Christ is a great Savior. That is the truth that Peter is learning, that I hope we know and are learning. You are a great sinner. I am a great sinner. That's a graceful thing to hear that because then you can begin to understand what a great Savior Jesus Christ is. Did Peter understand this? He did. In other gospel accounts, it talks about Peter after hearing the rooster crow. Peter weeps. All these other things, when he's called a faithless one in the water, doesn't rattle his cage. Okay? When he has these other events and at the wash, you know, at the foot washing, doesn't rattle his cage. But this rattles his cage and he weeps. Is it over for Peter? Of course not. Uh, we're going to read in a couple weeks about how Jesus restores him and in Acts he does go on and is the leader of the early church. He becomes a courageous, fearless, loyal, strong follower of Christ. Because he's all of those things? No. Because God is faithful to him. God is faithful to Peter. 
So my question this morning, have you learned these things? Do you understand these two great truths? Number one, do you know? Not just like in theory, like I can be completely faithful, you know, faithless at times. Do you actually identify those times in your life of complete faithlessness? Specifically, God, right here, I was faithless. I did not trust you. God, when that chrome was speckled with paint, I did not trust you for a good outcome. And God brought forth an incredible outcome. This guy went and power washed it. The next day, all came off. But in that moment, completely faithless. Do you understand that? How many times have you and I boasted that we would prove an invincible fighter and even triumphant unto death for Christ. But at the voice of a servant girl, without any threatening, done something or said something that totally undermines our walk with Christ. Number two, at all times, God is completely faithful. Do you understand that this morning? If, if you're newer to the faith, if you want to explore this more, I want to take you out for coffee. I've seen this in the last 10 years of my life when we became a follower of Christ in 1997. I have seen my complete faithlessness at times and God's complete faithfulness. God is completely faithful. I hope that you can come back next Sunday. Do not let anything keep you from next Sunday. What we have just seen in Peter is a time where he denied Christ. He showed himself uh, faithless. But next Sunday, we are going to see faithfulness par excellence we're going to talk about Jesus Christ going to the cross. There should be no better time to be in a worship service. This is the focal point. This is the climax. Jesus Christ going to the cross, Good Friday through Easter Sunday. This is why each of us should be followers of Christ. I hope you can be there because in that example, in next week's sermon, We're going to talk about Jesus Christ being faithful, God being faithful in his commitment to honor himself and to give you a chance. Despite your faithlessness, he's going to give you a chance to have a relationship with God. Next week, we will not be talking about prancing ponies. We will be talking MVPs next week. So I hope you can make it. Will you pray with me? God, it's a graceful thing that I can stand before this church body and confess that I, at times, have been completely faithless. Said things, done things, thought things that are totally inconsistent with my commitment to follow Jesus Christ as Lord. And God, I do not put stock, I don't put my eggs in that basket Rather, I look to next Sunday, I look to the cross, I look towards your faithfulness 
towards me. That's my only hope, God. That gives me the only, that is, that is my foundation for standing up here this morning and being able to share with all these people. I am a great sinner. I'm a great sinner, God. And you are a great, great, great Savior. And I praise you this morning for that. And I'm so thankful that these people could hear, be here today to hear that, that you are a great, great Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.